Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, I'm talking today with Brian Smith, owner of Gig Harbor Automotive Service in Washington State. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here, Tony. Yeah, it's great to, uh, great to talk with you. I am doing a series of member profile podcasts, and your name came up as someone I should talk to. So I'm, I'm happy that you were able to make some time for me today. Thanks for doing that. Actually, before we get started, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the business? You know, how long you've been doing it? That sort of thing. Sure. So been in the business since I was 16 years old, uh, started working in a gas station for who turned out to be my future in-laws, pumping gas and washing windshields. And then, uh, you know, one day somebody showed me how to fix a tire and then somebody showed me how to do an oil change. And, you know, I always had a, a mechanical aptitude and was interested in cars and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, ultimately became a master tech, just had a really good time doing it, you know, still with them. Ultimately, I found that I was more interested in the business side uh, as I became more and more exposed to that. That seemed pretty cool too. So I spent a period of time with them, kind of wearing a few different hats, but ultimately my heart was on the business side of the equation. I actually worked for them for 28 years. My wife, and I always naturally assumed uh, after that much time had gone by that uh, we're going to be able to take their operation over in some fashion. And we could just never get them to commit to a plan. And so I was, uh, I was complaining to all my uh, ASA buddies, because uh, our shop was actively involved in ASA back then, that I really wanted my own operation. And uh, I got a call one day from Joel Baxter. And he asked me where I wanted my shop to be. And I said, somewhere in Washington State. <laughs> and uh, uh, told me about uh, this place in Gig Harbor. Uh, we came and checked it out and you know, instantly fell in love. I knew that it, uh, it had great potential and looked like a really neat spot to uh, move to, just about an hour south of where we were living at the time. Mm-hmm. That's how, we, how I got into the industry and ultimately landed here. How long has Gig Harbor been open? When did you open your doors? We uh, bought the business in October of 2008. So, you know, the wheels were coming off the economy. All of our family and friends thought we were absolutely out of our minds. Never mind my in-laws. You know, my name was Mud with them at that point in time. But that's all okay now. (laughs) Yeah, it works out. Right. Well, that's great. And uh, Gig Harbor, tell us a little bit about the area. What kind of customer base do you have? It's a really neat little town. It's a little harbor in the Puget Sound in western Washington. Population is fairly affluent but it's become more diversified. You know, when we first came in here, uh, a larger percentage of our customer base was uh, more mature folks. <laughs> and it's actually more even across the board now. So we see everybody from uh, retired folks that come in to uh, folks just starting out, uh, just a, a neat, neat area. The customers that you have, you said you mentioned they were older. How has the COVID pandemic impacted your business? That's been interesting, you know, as it has for everybody, we've actually weathered it pretty well. Mm -hmm. 2020, by the time the dust settled on the year, uh, we actually saw just about a 5% growth in our uh, our gross sales and landed an extra 26 point something percent in our net profit. So Mm -hmm. 
I won't say we were immune from the effects of COVID, but we remained relatively unscathed uh, from it. Uh, certainly had to do some things differently than we were before. You know, at the beginning of it, like for a lot of uh, a lot of shops, it was a little spooky. You know, first two, yeah. three, four weeks of this thing, we were picking up the phone to make sure there was really still a dial tone there mm-hmm. uh, because it, the planet was just shut down. But we kind of got back into our groove shortly after that. And we've been chugging along. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot from shops that the business has kind of bounced back a little bit now that people are getting out and about. Hopefully we'll be through this soon. Yeah. But, you know, we've learned a lot, I think. And I've had a lot of conversations with individual uh, shop owners and, and actually a few people within the industry on the supply chain side wondering what's going to stick. Did you take advantage of the PPP and everything? We did. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we probably could have done without it if we had to. Mm-hmm. But there's still, you know, the potential for another shoe to drop. You know, we don't know what lasting effects might still be lurking in the shadows, so to speak. So if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have not done it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I'm certainly glad we did. Uh, but we were one of the fortunate ones that, uh, you know, that was going to make or break us uh, as far as our survival goes. You had mentioned you're a master technician. Uh, I assume you mentioned ASE certified, right? Yes, right, right. And I noticed you're also a AAA shop. So you have a lot, you employ a lot of ASE certified technicians. Are all of your technicians certified? Yes, have you taken advantage of the virtual training that has been offered during the pandemic? Not to a great degree. We've had, for lack of a better way to put it, more difficulty with that platform than, uh, than live training. Mm-hmm. For us, it's just not the same. The interaction, the, the actually being in the classroom, the retention is definitely not the same. So we're hoping that we're going to be able to get back to uh, normal, quote unquote, uh, sooner rather than later so we can get into a more traditional uh, type of a training setting. That being said, I know a lot of shops out there that uh, took advantage of some of the remote training opportunities, uh, PAVE, that we had here three weeks ago, whatever it was, um, that's worked out really well for them. So I think a lot of it just depends on the individual. And you you can translate that into remote learning for our kids in school. So I've got a third grader that's doing that, and it's just... It's challenging, and I'll just leave it at that. My my wife is a saint. (laughs) I've talked to a lot of shop owners, and a lot of them did mention the virtual training. How was the PAVE event? How did it go? To the best of my knowledge, it actually went pretty well. I don't know what the total um, attendance was, but I I think all things considered, it uh, it was a pretty successful event. Yeah, it seems uh, there's a lot of generational influence on the uh, virtual side of things. The younger folks seem to love it. Yes. It's, It's really not a problem at all. Exactly. And everyone I talk to that's in the training business, everybody wants to go back to face-to-face. And I don't think we're ever going to get away from that. But it was interesting talking to some of the training providers. They said, you know, on the one hand, we're seeing fewer people. But on the other hand, we're seeing a lot of people we never saw before because you know, we're reaching, reaching more rural shops and places where they, you know, they're smaller shops. They can't close down and go out of town for like a week. And instead of cramming all of your training into three days, you know, in one month during the year, we're able to spread it out. So it's, there's definitely been some advantages, I think, yeah. and what we've learned through the pandemic that are going to be uh, going to be hanging around. A touchless customer contact, for example, is very popular with the customers, I'm told. We'll be interesting to see how, how that goes. And hopefully, again, we'll be through all this shortly. But you've been around for a while. Uh, you've been in the business. You've been an ASA member for how many years? Oh, I think my uh, father-in-law joined back in 1991, something like that. Uh, it was right after it had uh, transitioned out of ASC. 
Uh-huh. It's been a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Well, I got to tell you, again, you've been in the industry, you're a shop owner, you've been around. What keeps you up at night? What do you think is, is your biggest challenge being a shop owner? I'll tell you, less keeps me up at night now than it, uh, than it did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But the obvious key issue for us in the industry right now is, is technician sourcing. Mm. It's nothing new. Uh, it's no secret that finding qualified technicians is, is pretty daunting right now. So there, there is that. Uh, and I think more and more of us are coming to uh, the realization that we're going to have to grow our own to attain the, uh, the level of technician that we're going to need for our business to uh, continue to grow and be successful. Do you participate in any of the internship programs or the apprenticeship programs? I think ASA Northwest has an apprenticeship program, right? We do. Yeah. We actually got registered with the state of Washington three years ago, uh, something mm. like that. So the program is, is still in its beginning stages, so to speak. Got one guy up here, Butch Jopes, that has just put his heart and soul into it. You know, without him, it wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a uh, legitimate, uh, vital program. And I think we're going to see a lot of people up here in the Northwest take advantage of it. Um, we haven't yet. Uh, we're a smaller shop, only four bays. So our, our space constraints make it a, a little more challenging to bring somebody in uh, like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the harsh reality is we're going to have to figure out a way to do just that. What do you do when you uh, have you hired any technicians recently? Uh, how do you find the talent that you need? You know, we have a crew that has been with us for a little while now. My most recent addition joined us two years ago, and he actually he'd spotted an ad we'd put out there and then just walked in and introduced himself and told us a little bit about himself, uh, a recent arrival to the area. So we liked him in, and you know, he's been a great fit. We'd actually been looking for somebody to fill that uh, particular position for several years. Yeah, and we just couldn't find the right person. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a pretty special dynamic in here. And finding the one that, that, that worked for us was uh, on all levels, let alone technical expertise, uh, was proving to be really challenging. So, yeah, we're in a good place today. But, you know, as you pointed out earlier, you know, a lot of folks in our industry and, and certainly my guys are getting older. So, yeah, we have to look forward to uh, being prepared to make transitions to uh, younger uh, folks on our staff. Do you have a uh, transition plan set up for your business? You mean for me to get out? I would put it a different way, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you started thinking along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. We're probably going to have somebody from within Uh step into that role. We'll see how that goes. We, we've got a lot of ground to cover before we get there. But yeah, definitely something that uh, is in the back of our mind. Believe it or not, I'm hearing that a lot where shop owners, if they don't have any children that want to go into the business, a lot of them are grooming their shop managers and, and foremen to take over the business. It seems to be a more thought through, I guess is the way I want to put it, transition process now than it used to be. Have you taken advantage of any of the training that's available, say, from AMI, you know, the management side of the equation? I know we all, always talk about training. We, we tend to lean towards the technical. Anyone in your shop that is, uh, you know, you've been putting through that to kind of prepare them for, for taking over the business. Has that entered the equation yet? Not yet, but that's definitely something that's going to be part of the package. I think uh, we've got uh, within uh, vehicles like ASA and AMI uh, some great pieces in place to groom individuals to get them to the point where when we make that transition that they're legitimately prepared and will be successful. 
a lot of ASA members attribute their success to the the people and the uh, and the relationships they built within the association. You've been a member for quite some time. What what's ASA mean to you? What's the value that you see? That's a question we talk about up here a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we think about ASA and especially ASA Northwest from the standpoint of you know why 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 should somebody want to be a part of this? Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you that even if somehow I, I had managed to get into my own business and still be here, there's no way that it would be at the level of success uh, that we've enjoyed without ASA being a component. Of it. It's been absolutely vital to us. Mm. Talk about discounts and, and programs, things like that all the time. But the reality is, while it's nice, isn't the real bread and butter. Uh, you know, For most of the people that I talk to, uh, it really comes down to you know the networking work. Mm-hmm. It's a vehicle that gives us an opportunity to get together and, and talk about our, our accomplishments, our failures, ideas. You know. We don't have anything else like that out there. Mm-hmm. Like I say, you know, bottom line for us is without that component, you know, we would not be here today. You, know, you wouldn't be talking to me, that's for sure. <laughs> and again, I hear that a lot as well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a team effort. It always is. And the value, I think, of any association is in the education, certainly, the representation, certainly, you know, uh, on the legislative side. Yeah, absolutely. And the strength of the affiliates like ASA Northwest, you know, they're their boots on the ground in the area, their direct connection with the um, members in that location. And that means a lot. I think ASA is unique in being an association that is a national stature, but really has a local feel. Let me pick your brain about the industry in general. You had mentioned attracting technicians. When I've talked to people, they say, you know, it's, we still got an image problem. What do you think, from your perspective, the industry writ large, what are the challenges, you, biggest challenges you think we have as an industry that we need to address? Well, I mean, we've got to be brutally honest with ourselves. And I think one of the foundational issues that our industry has is how we compensate our people. Hmm pay cut and dried is is a tremendous issue and i think we still have a lot of shop owners out there that just aren't wrapping their brains around the idea that you know what we're asking these men and women to do in our businesses especially at the technical level mm-hmm. is not the same as it used to be and the value that they bring to the table is is huge uh, and they deserve to be well compensated for that and i think the more that the industry as a whole, you know, gets to the point where they, they recognize that and they're willing to take steps to make that happen uh, is, is going to be beneficial, right? You know, we, we've got to get there. Uh, you know, you look at other trades like, uh, you know, plumbing, electricians, whatever, where somebody can go to um, through an apprenticeship and have a very tangible path of what the steps are going to look like, what they're going to be making you know, at this point and at this point and at this point, and ultimately, you know, when they're going to be uh, journeyman level and, and what that career looks like as far as, you know, what kind of a living they're going to be making. Uh, and by the way, their investment in tools and equipment is, you know, virtually nothing uh, compared to an industry like ours, where historically, you know, we're not really clear necessarily on those benchmarks. And, and by the way, you know, if you don't mind getting ready to invest fifty dollars to $100,000 worth of tools that you're going to need to do this for us. So, yeah, that model's broken. As soon as more people in our world, you know, come to grips with that and find different ways to, to approach it, it will go a long way in uh, uh, making our industry more attractive again. You know, those are some of the issues we're going to be exploring at the X50 conference, too. And uh, in having conversations, I know a lot of folks are looking at a lot of different models. One of them is shop supplying the tools. 
I know on the dealership side, when I was with ASE, a number of the dealers that we interacted with didn't let technicians bring their own tools in, even if they had them, because they wanted that clean look. But when they brought it in an intern uh, through one of the, usually through one of the manufacturer programs, some of them had a situation where you could actually work for your tool set. You know, they gave you one at the beginning. And if you graduated and you know, stayed for a period of time, you got it. Right. Do you know of anybody in the independent side up in the Washington area in your, in your uh, location that, that is doing something similar to that? Have anybody looked into that? Yes. We have some people that are starting to do that as we speak. Uh, actually have been. Mm. We're seeing more people recognize that we've got to uh, get out of the box and take a different approach to, uh, to trying to solve our labor resource problem. You know, given the technology we're dealing with in the service bay, frankly, even on the business management side, we're looking to attract the same kind of individuals that any large corporation would really. We're competing with Boeing as much as we are the shop down the corner. Yeah, Boeing may not be as much of a competitor. We'll see. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> Speaking of having a bad year. <laughs> yeah, we probably a poor choice of companies from my perspective. But although actually the reason I say that is uh, my father-in-law actually worked for Boeing and we were having dinner one night and he said, you know, we were talking about what I did and what he did. And he said, you know, we love to get automotive technicians apply for a job because they're, you know, they know how to use tools. They're eminently trainable. And these days, actually, a lot of them come with a pretty, pretty significant understanding of electronics, which is no surprise to me. You know, we've been dealing with electronics, gosh, since the 80s. Right. But that's the level of competition I think that we have as an industry. And I know that when I talk to some of the younger students at some of the career technology education programs, and I ask them what they're looking for in an employer, of course, you have to make a living wage. That's a given. And I think the benefits issue is going to be paramount. You have to have benefits. You just can't get away with it anymore. Right. But really, those aren't the primary concerns. The primary concern they had was, I want to find an employer who's going to invest in me as much as I invest in him. And if there is such a thing as job security these days, it has to be in the trades. We, anybody with a technical background, I know, there's opportunities galore. In fact, when I was serving on an advisory council and you know, I was living in Virginia, and I would talk to parents about all the different you know, choices that you have if you have a technical background, it was like, what? <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> but and actually, I think you've been involved at the school level yourself, right? Aren't you involved with a local community college? Yeah, so at one of our technical colleges up here, I uh, sit on an advisory board. Uh, another one, I'm not on the board, but kind of you know, put my nose under the tent uh, once in a while. And I think that's critical too. I think the, the more that shop owners or representatives from shops in, uh, in our industry become more visible in the schools, that's, that's going to strengthen that connection as well. I know that I always enjoyed that. And it's neat to talk to the future. You know, when you're talking to some of the younger technicians, the enthusiasm level is right up there. It is. And one of the other things I think they, that I noticed they consider to be very important is they want to they have a life as well as a job. Those of us who grew up you know, as baby boomers uh, had, have a slightly different work ethic. But what do you do for fun? What do you do for relaxation? How do you do that life-work balance thing in your business as a, as a shop owner? Yeah, that's a, a great question. That balance thing is, uh, has always been a challenge. That's, uh, that's for sure. When we first got into our own business, you know, it was six days a week, hair on fire. And I think all that, our first year to lose 17 grand. Wow. Things have progressed. <laughs> a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I, me personally, you know, uh, spent a lot of, a lot of time with the family. My wife, Jen and I, Jen is 
co-owner of the, the business here, have three kids, two older ones uh, in college, and then uh, the third grader, uh, our, our reset button. Uh, so yeah, we have a, a lot of time that's spent, uh, spent there. We'll get out of town. We've got some property over in Eastern Washington. We spend as much time out as we can uh, during the summer months. You know, have a lot of fun there. You know, we're kind of Disney freaks. So when Disneyland opens back up, we'll be right down there. Uh, so yeah, we, we find plenty of opportunities to unplug. You bet. That's so important. It really is. I think if you're going to be happy in what you do, if you're going to love your job, as they say, you know, and never work a day in your life, you really have to have that balance yeah. where you're not, it's not all work. There's, there's got to be some play in there or, uh, or generally, you know, there's a high degree of burnout that happens in a lot of occupations. Yeah, absolutely. It happens all the time in the automotive industry, I know. But again, that's the sort of thing that's important. And I think that's what's important to the next generation that we're looking for to make sure that we're giving them that freedom, I think, and giving them the, um, the flexibility to do what they need to do. Not always an easy thing to do in a, in a repair shop when you're working under the conditions that we normally do with customers coming in, wanting their cars back. They all depend on them for their major transportation. That is our mass transit system is the personal vehicle. Right. But I noticed, again, you, I said you're a AAA shop, so you're basically Monday to Friday hours, right? You don't work on weekends? Right. Yeah. Just Monday through Friday. And how has been associated with AAA been for you as business-wise? AAA is an interesting animal. We certainly have some business that comes to us directly from them. But you know, having that designation, even if somebody's not a AAA member, they recognize it as something special, you know, something different. And for some, some different level of professionalism, uh, we're actually the only AAA approved uh, repair facility in my area. It's some kind of a magnet. Some of it may be you know, not tangible enough for us to measure. You know, we're looking at our, our marketing budget, but it's not one that barring any, uh, any changes, I would, I would pull the plug on at all. Well, you know, professionalism, you have to have quality to get in the game these days. And that's one of the, again, one of the hallmarks, I think, of the ASA members are they run very professional organizations and they look at your shop is certainly a great example of that. I know we're running low on time here. I don't want to keep you all day, but any last words before I let you go? Nothing too exciting. Um, just we we've been really blessed in uh, in our business here, Tony. Um, the the growth that we've seen over I guess we're a little over twelve years now. Uh, you know where we started compared to where we are now. I'll you know, give you some numbers. I think our first year, our first full year in two thousand nine, when we're in survival mode, I got like four hundred and thirty four dollars in gross sales and still lost seventeen grand. Wow. Uh, and I think twenty twenty we put in the books. Uh, over a million dollars in uh, gross sales. So, you know, a lot of good has happened in a, a relatively short period of time. And a uh, huge part of that does reflect back on our, our role and participation in ASA and all the people that mentored us and uh, helped us along the way get to uh, the point where we are. Uh, and now you know, we're doing the same thing, trying to, uh, to help shops that are reaching out with uh, some questions on, you know, foundational issues and, and just Getting, uh, getting that foundation under them to where they can get to the next level. Yeah, it just, it, it's been great. It's, it's been a lot of fun and we look forward to uh, quite a few more years yet before I'm done. There's still plenty of water going under the bridge before we're going to be uh, out of here. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been a, a great uh, industry to be a part of. Uh, and if I could hit the rewind button, I don't think I would have changed the path that I chose. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Well, Brian, it has been real. Thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Best of luck going forward. 
hopefully you and I will have a chance to see each other face to face sometime soon. Yeah, what a novelty, huh? <laughs> Who knew we'd miss that much air travel, right? But I think it's an important part of our community, you know, the automotive service community. And I think there's strength in numbers, as, as our Washington representative always says, but I think it's the relationships that we build that really help us. Uh, it's not just our business, it's our lives that get better for it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've been affiliated one way or another with ASA most of my career. And I think that it's, uh, it's one of those things that to me is perennial. It's been around longer than I have. And I think that it's something that I know has made a difference. And I think that's what it's really all about is making a difference one way or another. Yeah, you know, and another point to that, Tony, uh, as far as our involvement with ASA goes, you know, not only have we benefited from, you know, the mentorship and, and everything that went uh, into the business side of the equation, but we've gained a bunch of lifelong friendships Yeah, that'll be with us, you know, long after we're, we're done with the business. So that that's just fantastic, really neat stuff. Well, I can't think of a better way to end this interview. Brian, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. We have been talking with Brian Smith, owner of Gig Harbor Automotive Service in Washington. Brian, again, have a great day. Thanks again for your time. You bet. Thank you, Tony. Good to talk to you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.